0: Was there a plan to blow up the moon? The internet says it's true. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Welcome back. Let's learn something new. Uh, Later in the show, we'll be playing the quiz game with actor and singer Brandon Anderson, so stay tuned for that. For my American listeners... I hope everyone had a great Independence Day holiday. I hope no one blew themselves up too bad. I had a nice, relaxing holiday this year. Volunteered at a horse show with Allie. We enjoyed that. Also went to my niece's graduation party. She'll be following in her Uncle Mike's footsteps, trying out for the Ohio State Marching Band this fall. So I've been spending a lot of time helping her get ready for that. Send your good thoughts and vibes, because there are like 400 kids trying out for 228 spots So, uh, you know, send along the vibes. For my Patreon listeners, thanks for joining. Uh, I've been putting all the episodes up there a week early and ad-free for you, along with video. So uh, that's a super good deal, considering you can do that and know that you're supporting this independent creator for whatever you feel like pledging every month. You can start at just $1. It's patreon.com slash Kent. This week's topic came from a listener. Now, if you have an interesting fact or piece of history that sounds made up, please send it in. It has to be true. That's the one thing. Uh, you can do that at the true.com There's a form right there on the homepage. I'd love to have you contribute to the show. That's what Ralph did. You know, we've got listeners all over the globe in a hundred countries that I've counted so far, and this listener is part of Case Western Reserve University. He runs the US's Antarctic search for meteorites. Hey Michael. Ralph Harvey here. Guess what I learned on the internet today? That all of the many problems, or at least most of them, that we face on this planet could be solved just by blowing up the moon. Who'd have thought it would be that easy? Who'd have thought that anybody would even think of such a thing? That can't be real, can it? Let me know, Michael. I gotta know. Well, thanks, Ralph. I will. I was excited to dig into this one. And there are two stories here, One is the first story from Ralph, that one scientist claimed that many of Earth's problems could be solved by blowing up the moon. And then, there's a story about a secret government project that was hidden for 45 years that I think will surprise you. Alexander Abian was a brilliant mathematician. He published three math books and over 200 scientific papers. As an Iranian immigrant, he taught for over 25 years at Iowa State University. He had an undergraduate degree from Iran, a PhD from the University of Cincinnati, and in the field of mathematics, he was very well respected and accomplished. But he had this crazy idea that we should blow up the moon. No, really, he wanted to get rid of the moon altogether. The moon's gravity pulls at the Earth, causing tides in the oceans. It also greatly influences weather patterns in the world. So, Abian, this otherwise really smart mathematician, had this theory that if we just got rid of the moon, we could eliminate heat storms, hurricanes, snowstorms, and seasons in general. Because getting rid of the moon would mean the Earth wouldn't wobble on its axis. He said, quote, "Those who dismiss Abian's ideas are very close to those who dismissed Galileo." End quote. He was spreading these ideas starting in 1991 through Usenet groups and later in an Iowa state newspaper. Because it was such a bizarre idea and because he had so thoroughly and with such conviction tried to prove his theory, newspapers all over the world started printing stories about Alexander Abian's plan to destroy the moon. His plan was to drill a giant hole in the moon, fill it with a nuclear explosive, and detonate it remotely from Earth. Abian said... I am raising the petulant finger of defiance to the solar organization for the first time in 5 billion years." Immediately, almost everyone who studied astronomy and meteorology said that this would be a horrible, horrible idea. And before we talk about why, let's first discuss the fact that if we harnessed all of the most powerful nuclear weapons possessed by civilization combined, we wouldn't have enough to blow up the moon, not even close. It would take a giant astronomical collision to destroy the moon, similar to the one that likely created the moon in the first place. But then we get into what it would do to the Earth. If, by some miracle, the moon was able to be blown up, it would break into giant pieces. And where would those pieces go? Well, NASA was quick to point out that the Earth couldn't survive this level of debris. They'd go hurling toward the Earth at species-ruining speeds. Just the gravity on a giant piece of moon falling into our atmosphere would heat the Earth so much that it would be unsurvivable to anything and anyone. Even without that fact, like if you could wave a magic wand and make the moon disappear, there would be trouble still. The gravitational relationship between the Earth and the moon stabilizes the Earth's rotation. And without it, there would be massive earthquakes throughout the planet instead of getting rid of tides, tides would be like huge and unpredictable and would destroy continents. One astronomy professor, David Taylor at Northwestern University, was asked about this plan, and he said, sure, we'd destroy civilization, but we'd have great weather. So when Abian died in 1999, his theory of solving all the world's problems by blowing up the moon died with him, When I was learning about Alexander Abian, I learned of another plan to nuke the moon. It was called Project A-119, and it was planned to be carried out by none other than the United States Air Force. We'll talk about that after the break. I have a special announcement for all my female listeners. Are you a woman podcaster looking to take your show to the next level? If the answer is yes, then you need to come to She Podcasts Live this October, You'll be able to learn from some of the best female podcasters in the world and get insider tips on how to make your podcast even better. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, this event is for you. Not only will you be able to learn tons of new information, but you'll also be able to network with other amazing podcasters. This is a great opportunity for anyone who wants to take their podcasting skills to the next level. Additionally, She Podcasts Live is committed to bringing a diverse and inclusive lineup and their team works very hard to make sure those chosen are 50% women of color, LGBTQIA+, or both. They also highlight industry experts and leaders in the space, so attendees are exposed to the women at the top. Register now. You don't want to miss this event in DC. Go to ShePodcastsLive.com and enter promo code TISIT to get $50 off your registration.
1: On the Music Journeys podcast, artists reflect on their careers and the importance of music in their lives. Donna McGavero has been singing for decades in Columbus and still finds inspiration in crafting new songs. It keeps me centered. It's a spiritual path. I do not believe I'm the best, but I feel I have something to offer, too. I keep putting it out there. Keeps me young, Mike. Hear more from McGabro and other local and national artists on music journeys in the podcast experience at WCBE.org.
0: I've been traveling again lately, and that means I've been wearing my Scotty Vest jacket, which is awesome for anyone who sort of lives life on the go like I do. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got tons of pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket packed clothing on their website. To get 15% off your order, visit the link in the show notes. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code, internet. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. Let's get back to our story. In October of 1957, Sputnik scared the crap out of America. America had seen itself as technologically advanced after World War II, and was starting to learn that there were certain areas where the Soviet Union was catching up. The Soviets had previously been seen as sort of technologically primitive, but the USSR put their foot on the gas when it came to educating and training scientists. They were creating two to three times as many scientists per year as the US, and all of this came to a head when Sputnik 1 was launched. The Soviet Union was the first to send a man-made object into orbit around the Earth. This man stands on the threshold of outer space. It's the biggest story of the year, possibly the number one story of the century. This launching of the Russian satellite which brings into the realm of possibility all those wild science fiction stories of interplanetary travel. This story of the Russian satellite burst upon a startled world early in October. Russia announcing she had shot a man-made moon 560 miles into space where it was circling the Earth at the dizzy speed of 18,000 miles per hour. Now, the Sputnik satellite itself wasn't anything super technologically advanced. It was just a 23-inch sphere of aluminum that did nothing but broadcast a radio beep. But the way that they got it into space was pretty frightening. If the Soviets could put a satellite on a rocket and send it into space and into low-Earth orbit, they could put a nuclear warhead on a rocket and send it anywhere in the world. That was the fear. With the Sputnik 1 and the R-7 Semyorka ICBM that launched it The world got a lot smaller and that was terrifying. The US scrambled to get a satellite into space and it's not that they hadn't already been trying. Project Vanguard was the US's attempt at launching a satellite into orbit and it would have beat the Russians attempt by a month if they hadn't been faced with a laundry list of issues and delays. Two months after Sputnik, the first US Vanguard attempt ended in a failed launch. The rocket fell to earth and exploded. What happened is already unhappy history. Another setback for the United States in the race into outer space. Here are official Defense Department films of the launching of the 72-foot missile, a loss of thrust, and fall back to Earth in split seconds. It took as many as four failed attempts before the Vanguard project was given to NASA, and they successfully launched Explorer 1. Now, Sputnik 1 had stayed in orbit for three months, and around the time Sputnik 1 fell out of orbit and burned up entering the Earth's atmosphere, Explorer 1 was launched and stayed in orbit for 11 years. The next US attempt, Vanguard 1, was launched into orbit in March of 1958 and remains in orbit to this day. Even though the US now had successfully matched the Soviet satellite capability, it wasn't enough to prove their dominance and the space race had been started. All kinds of rumors started swirling of what the other side was planning. It was a time of speculation and fears of one another's capabilities. The news called it the Sputnik crisis. One of the rumors was that the USSR was planning to commemorate the Bolshevik socialist revolution by launching a hydrogen bomb and detonating it on the moon. The info came from an anonymous source to a secret service agent. It was an idea that had even been considered by an American scientist, Edward Teller, back in 1957, exploding a nuke on the moon to analyze the effects. After hearing rumors of the USSR plan, the U.S. started looking at the possibility seriously. They developed a plan called Project A-119, a study of lunar research flights. Now, I should say that to this day, the United States government has never formally acknowledged its existence but the plan was leaked in the press and later confirmed by Leonard Rifle. He was a former NASA executive who led the project back in 1958. The reasoning for detonating a nuclear explosive on the moon was multifaceted. It would help scientists answer questions about astronomy and astrogeology, as well as the effects of a nuclear detonation in space. But there was more to it than that. It would be a show of force to the world. It would assert dominance over the Soviets. According to Rifle, he led a 10-member team to work on the project at the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Now, On that team were astronomer Gerald Kuiper and one of his doctoral students, a guy by the name of Carl Sagan. It was Sagan who had the job of doing the necessary calculations to determine whether or not the explosion would create a cloud of dust that would prevent it from being seen from Earth. If the detonation was meant to be used as a show of force, It was important that it could be easily seen by the naked eye from Earth, almost 239,000 miles away. One of the ways they considered ensuring this was by adding sodium to the bomb, which would create a glowing effect. There were a series of problems with the plan. One was that the hydrogen bombs were heavy, so a smaller nuclear warhead, the W-25, was chosen. It would have to detonate on the part of the moon not lit by the sun in order to be seen, The cloud created from the explosion would then catch the sun's rays, and that would be seen from Earth. If a nuke were detonated in space, there wouldn't be the typical blast and mushroom cloud we're used to seeing, because there's no atmosphere. But there would be a huge amount of radiation and particles that would eventually rain down on the planet. The highly charged and quick-moving electrons would create a giant magnetic field on Earth And this could essentially cause an EMP that would create huge swaths of power outages. This was proven in the early 60s when the US detonated a small nuclear bomb at 250 miles above the Earth. It was known as the Starfish Prime and it caused electrical problems throughout Hawaii. But the biggest problem was the concern of nuclear fallout. If the moon was a place that we were planning on eventually visiting, nuclear fallout would just add to the complications of lunar exploration. In 1959, the Air Force canceled the project. There were just too many risks associated with it, and there's also the concern of militarizing space. In 1963, the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union signed the Limited Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, which would prohibit these types of nuclear tests. Then, just 10 years after A-119 was scrapped, the U.S. accomplished a better method of asserting its dominance in the space race. uh... Houston, Tranquility Base
1: here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch
0: of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. (laughs) That visage and that voice from space belonged to Neil Alden Armstrong, first mortal to put a footprint print on the moon. In 1969, Americans became the first to walk on the moon. This was a huge victory for America and may not have been possible if we'd have nuked the place. I mentioned earlier that although A-119 was never officially admitted to by the US government, it was leaked. The leak happened in the 1990s by Carl Sagan himself. I used to have a poster I got at the Scholastic Book Fair. It was of space. And it said, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. This is one story where it's safe to say, I'm glad we missed. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend. And today we're calling Brandon Anderson. Brandon is a talented actor and singer. I've worked with him at Shadowbox Live in Columbus, Ohio, and he joined the podcast once before. Super happy to have him back. Welcome back on the show, Brandon. How are you?
1: I'm uh, fantastic! It's so great to be here, Mike. I'm telling you, it, it is. It is. It's one of my favorite things to do is to sit and talk.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, style. I, I asked you back because I had a great time talking to you last last episode. What what did I have you on? What did we talk about before? Do you remember? Uh,
1: it was lincoln
0: um was it habeas, uh, it, was corpus? habeas corpus. Yes. it was habeas the corpus yes the suspension of habeas corpus that's a great episode um and that one i i thought was really sort of timely because it was a time when like you know politicians were calling for the jailing of political opponents and that type of thing so right uh so for right. this one it's a little different but before we get into that how have you been what's new
1: Oh man. Like I try to like, you know, I, I knew we were going to talk and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm only doing, and then bop, 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 bop. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe I am busy. So, so first off, uh, I, um, the last time we talked, I was, uh, you know, I've been with, with shadowbox live for, for, decades uh doing full-time theater uh i kind of took a step back and now i'm in sort of a more heavily administrative role i'm doing a, a lot of uh, uh uh marketing work and 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 copy work and and telling our story uh but i will be going back to the stage this fall i'll be singing uh and uh in our new um dance theater piece uh it is uh no return the deadly dance of bonnie and Clyde that opens cool. up uh this fall uh, I'm also, well, along with my amazing wife, Noelle, we're, we've reopened shadowbox lives upfront space. It's now the upfront yes. performance space. So yes. we're now, uh, looking for and hosting different, uh, independent artists. We've got, uh, improv troops and, um, uh, science, uh, science lectures. And we, we're hopefully we'll get some, some love and relationship experts in there. And we're also doing like resident theater, like uh, small plays and stage readings, kind of making it a a place uh that that the community can come together and share art and and even present it if you're brave and bold enough so absolutely uh, i would like to come
0: up. in there and do a, a live episode of this podcast sometime um oh gee you know, i wonder
1: and- like i never thought you might even might consider that if i if i mentioned up front oh
0: wow <laughs> really <laughs> you know I, I i think like not a lot of people have been to a live Recording of a podcast and Mm -mm. I think it would be interesting to do that and maybe add in some of my show so that there's a little bit for you know a little bit of eye candy if you're not quite 100% into this podcast and I guarantee for those folks who don't listen to podcasts they're going to go away. And say, oh, that was interesting. I want to uh-huh. listen to more of this, or I want to know more about this. And
1: it's so it's so interesting about podcasting because when you're listening to them, like it's a rhythm and a, a whole genre in and of itself. You want that warm voice. You want someone just having a conversation, or just kind of peeking in on someone's conversation that they're having. And that, that's what's so so inviting about it. Um, uh, but like, if you're not into talking <laughs> if you're not into conversing uh it's it's intimidating but sure. so when i got into it because i'm normal i'm I'm kind of a shy person uh in real life uh sometimes and but i got into podcasts because i found one that was funny you know and then yeah. i found and older folks uh you know when i uh talk to my parents about them too they found one where you know an old soul singer a favorite one of theirs was on a podcast and they wanted to listen and hear stories so it's like this avenue uh that people need to um People need to find their way into podcasts, I think, because it really is, it's kind of bringing back conversations, you know, yeah. and I think that they're really cool.
0: I, I see podcasts as, and I I started listening to podcasts when podcasts became a thing. I was instantly intrigued because I was like, this is old form radio shows, you know, that I can take with yeah. me and listen to while I while I was really heavily traveling a lot. And for me, what they are now is education and yeah. it both deepens my knowledge of things and sparks my interest in things. So I'll listen to a, you know, a 20 minute podcast on something and then spend a week finding YouTube videos and like, you know, I'm big on, I love maps and I will, one of my favorite things to do is get on like Google Maps and find exactly where whatever this podcast is, took place and the buildings where it happened and the roads where I was listening to one about, um, you know, Bob Dylan's motorcycle accident. In the mid 60s. And like, I was like, I want to know where his houses were and where he was driving and where he was. And I like got all, you know, all that stuff. I was like deep in the map of Woodstock, New York, trying to figure out all these locations and stuff. I just like, you know, exploring and then like going down those rabbit holes for days. But um, yes, speaking of rabbit holes, I love this topic. This one was a lot of fun. And the audience knows the answer to this first question, but they don't know the answers to the ones after that. Uh, and okay. for the first one, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell a joke. If you get it wrong, you have to tell me one. Is that fair? OK, Okay. that's fair. Here's your question. In 1991, a math professor at, a, at Iowa State came up with a plan that got nationwide attention. He said that you could end most of Earth's problems, including hurricanes, snowstorms, heat waves, seasons, which in turn would eliminate seasonal, seasonal depression by doing what? Was it a installing a giant sun glare shield in space b yeah. making it illegal to pee in the ocean or mm-hmm. c blowing up the moon
1: i'm going to say a the reflective uh the the sun the sun the sun bouncer
0: the sun bouncer <laughs> the answer believe it or not is c blowing up the moon alexander abian was the guy's name can you believe this alexander abian what? this guy was a brilliant mathematician um and he i mean published Hundreds of papers, several books, uh, but he had this idea that if we got rid of the moon, we would get rid of the effects of the moon, which would mean tides, um, which would, you know, all these dangerous tides, right? The the, the <laughs> axial wobble uh, of the earth, all these things. Of course, the scientists immediately jumped on this. Astronomers and, and meteorologists said, you can't get rid of the moon. Um, a, we don't have a way to get rid of the moon. But you know, even if we could get rid of the moon, we don't have weapons powerful enough. Even if we could, it would be disastrous. Because I saw one guy sort of um, explain it as if you were, you know, you had a, a weight like a hammer toss, right? And if uh-huh. you had a weight, yeah. and you're spinning yep. around. That sort of stabilizes you, right? And when you let go of it, you kind of wobble, right? Like you get mm-hmm. a little crazy with your with your gravitational pull. And that's yeah. what would happen with the earth is it would just kind of screw everything up. So anywho, you got a good joke wow. for us? Uh
1: yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Um we'll try this one. I'm really getting into dad jokes. So okay, you're great. gonna want to put a bear khakis after this one. <laughs> um so uh, so it's a uh, an old couple an older couple as you know 60 years they've been together um and as they as often with old couples uh, you know they're sitting with their their younger uh, relatives and they're taking so so what's the what's kept you guys uh, married for 60 years what's the secret and the wife and the husband you know says well uh, you know we try to keep it fresh and spontaneous we try to go on adventures we travel all the time you know in fact, for our 25th anniversary, uh, I took my wife to Beijing, China. And they were like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. What a wonderful trip. He's like, yeah. I said, well, what did you get? Guys- you went to China for your 25th. What did you do for your 50th wedding anniversary? And the guy says, I went back and picked her up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret. Unbelievable. I, I, I-
1: I like it because, you know, it stands the test of time because, you know, whatever, whatever is offensive, nothing is nothing is more universal than two people married who kind of don't like each other. Like,
0: <laughs> universal. Well, I, I now I looked up a moon joke um, in the case I had to tell one. And so I yeah. want to I want to share it anyway. What did the astronomers mm-hmm. do when they got sick of watching the moon's revolution around the Earth? What's that? They just called it a day.
1: It's
0: oh. a good one good a
1: good,
0: one. Yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, Oh, boy. Okay, question two. Now, for this question, we're going to play for a strange or surprising fact about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, if you get it wrong, you've got to share something about yourself that people might be shocked to know. And if you get it right, I'll share one about myself. Okay, cool. In the Middle Ages, scientists and philosophers believed which one of these things about the moon? Yeah. A, A full moon caused seizures, fever, and rheumatism. B, exposing a patient to an eclipse could cure them of typhoid. Or C, the moon was inhabited by a hostile breed of aliens and kept the earth lit at night to keep an eye on humans. I'm going to go with B. Exposing a patient to an eclipse could cure them of typhoid. The answer is A, a full moon caused seizures, fever, and rheumatism. Now, because of this apparent connection between the moon and unusual behaviors, the afflicted were called lunatics. Lunatics. Yes, literally meaning moon sick. Lunatics. That's where the name lunatics comes from. Yes, yes. Yep. All right, so tell me something surprising or strange about Brandon Anderson. It's not
1: surprising or strange. Well, I guess it's surprising. Um, but I, I don't know how many people I can tell, but I auditioned for Jeopardy, uh, last a month.
0: You did. You, and now yeah, now I mean, you're not allowed to share any sort of results of this at this point, I'm sure. No,
1: absolutely not. No, I'm not. That's uh, exciting. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, I made it to the final round and we got a big, and I went to an, uh, an online, uh, testing and I passed that. And then I passed the interview and then I did a final round with uh with uh i did a mock jeopardy round with other people and yeah. here's the thing now this is jeopardy right yeah. so you, you think like with all the there's all kinds of buzzer systems and things that you can do online all sorts of zoom toys that we learned to play with in jeopardy if when you're doing jeopardy online and when they want to, or in the interview when you have an answer you're just supposed to take a pen and just do this in front of the camera so they they can find you wow. that's it that's it that's low I tech guess that's, That's low tech as hell. I guess that's why you can get a million five on that show or something. I don't know. That's crazy.
0: Now, I feel like there needs to be sound. Like, that's a sound. What if two people, you know, that click isn't, especially on Zoom, when sound cancels out other sound. I would get, sounds aggravating.
1: It it does. It was. And because you're all there to, like, get the right answer. And you think, like, whoever does the best wins. But it's not about that. They just want to, like they'll they'll pick all kinds of random people. I could be first and I was several times, but they would pick other people just so they could see them answer and then get to talk to them for a little bit. So it's more of so a, a second interview. Let me ask you um, this,
0: did you go to Staples and just pick up all the pens and just find the one that clicks the loudest? Cause that's what I would have done. <laughs>
1: No, what I did though, I I I wasn't ready. Like I read the instructions twice. I'm like, are you serious? Because I, I I just have a pen. So I grabbed the first thing that was on my desk, which was a mechanical pencil. Okay. So by the end of the game, I'm, my lap is covered <laughs> in lead. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's like it was. I was answering, and 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 I shoved all that lead back into the pencil after I was done.
0: <laughs> That's really funny. You used to be when you were in high school. You did uh, in the know.
1: I did do so in Ohio,
0: and I don't know if other states do this, but in Ohio we have a, uh, a a trivia competition with competing high schools called In the Know, and it's a panel of how many people? Five people. Uh,
1: it's a four uh, four four, person, four people four
0: team, and uh, you know, and that show was on all through my childhood. Like I used to always watch In the Know. I loved that show, and you it did was great. you did that. You shared a clip the other day of you answering a question about Bone Thugs and Harmony. I did. And when you did that, I got onto a Bone Thugs and Harmony kick, and I was looking at their Wikipedia page and I learned the original name of Bone Thugs and Harmony in from Cleveland, Ohio, Band-Aid Boys. Isn't that amazing?
1: It is amazing. And brave too, because that was a short-lived fad, you uh, know, when people were wearing band-aids. I don't even I
0: know if they, it had anything to do with that fad. It probably did.
1: Maybe. But like it was a it was a Midwest thing. And like Nelly kind of peeked at it, but you put yeah. a band-aid on the side. I remember. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the last when Bone was great, uh, was big, and when I was a sophomore in high school, we went to the Cleveland Museum of Art uh, just for a a road, just for a field trip to because we're studying Renaissance art or whatever. So we went up there, but all we wanted to do was go to East Ninety Nine because that's where you find them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Start looking around when you get up there. Yeah,
1: we were. We were. I think that was. I think
0: I saw busy. All right, (laughs) moving on. Now the um, the next. Question is: Is we're gonna play f- an, for an IOU for a coveted? The internet says it's true sticker because mm-hmm. I I ran out, and oh, okay. this has been the the stakes for question three. I wasn't gonna order anymore, and I said last week I wasn't gonna order anymore, and I am happy to report I am ordering more. So um, people that join Patreon can get those. Also, I send them to to guests who get the question right. They're very yeah. hard to come by. Oh wow! Here's your question. This is just a numbers thing. How many people? Have walked on the moon. Is it. A. 52. B. 25. Or C. 12. One two. Man cruise till
1: 72. I'm going to go with 12.
0: The answer. Is 12. They were all yes. Americans. And they were all between the years of. You knew this. I heard you doing the math in your head. You knew these years in, the, in your head already. Right. Yeah.
1: 69 to 73. I want to say. 72. 72, I did say
0: 72. Yeah, 13-year span. Um, that's not even a 13-year span. That's a three-year span. I just <laughs> I just don't math very well. Uh, so okay, in, in three years, those Apollo missions put 12 men, 12 men on the moon, and then we just decided we don't need to go back.
1: We don't need to go back. Leading now everybody wants to go back.
0: All the conspiracy theorists to say, if it was real, we would have gone back. <laughs> it is kind of amazing that we haven't been back. Uh, it, and it,
1: I would say so, too. Um, I was really hoping for a moon base by yeah, now. Right. M- most cartoons that I watched in the 80s said that that would be happening by now.
0: So this, this episode that we, that we did this week, um, this is about not only this guy's idea to nuke the moon, but the Air Force had a plan to nuke the moon. To not destroy the moon, but to make a, to use it as a show of force before we started putting men on the moon as part of the space race. Uh, because the soviets were going to do the same thing they were planning on blowing up uh, a nuclear bomb on the moon as a show of force and uh had we done that the moonwalks would have been uh, there would have been a lot of radiation up there there would have been a lot more to deal with than just no atmosphere or very little atmosphere whatever they have up there no atmosphere
1: wow Wow, people are dumb
0: yeah so you get a, a you get a sticker when i get stickers okay
1: I don't okay, know if I ever gave great. you a sticker
0: from last time, but you'll get two.
1: Yeah, I was wanted to wait until the question. I didn't want to like Ellen you, but yeah. like you probably you're two stickers deep, bro. Yeah, one so, I'll
0: one for you and one for Noel. Once once it we get that, great. Uh, yeah. So for question four, uh-huh. um, let's play for. I didn't I didn't I didn't write stakes for this one. Let's do it for uh, like doing the dishes. That's always okay. a fun one. So uh, okay. you know. Uh, now, I will say that right before I came down to the basement to to meet with you, I did the dishes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I can just I don't have to do anything. So. You don't have to do anything. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think yeah, I may have to put the tab in the dishwasher. I think I loaded it.
0: Okay, so here's the question. On March, in March of 1958, Vanguard 1 became the second artificial satellite put into orbit by the US. What nickname did the Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev call the satellite? He had a specific Nickname that he used in media interviews about the U.S.'s satellite. Did he call it A, the Grapefruit Satellite, B, the Cowboy Satellite, or C, the Inferior Satellite?
1: Wow. Khrushchev had so much shade, so it could be
0: anything. Um,
1: I'm going to go with
0: B. I'm going to go with B. The Cowboy Satellite. Yeah. The answer... Is A, the grapefruit satellite. He did not mean it as a compliment. The satellite... So here's the thing. The satellite that the U.S. had was the size of a grapefruit. And his Sputnik 1, launched the year before, was the size of a large beach ball. It was 23 inches. Sputnik 2, which also had been launched the previous year, was larger than that. And it had a dog in it. So take that, Eisenhower. Lotka. Lotka. And she's still... Up there, no, they actually actually <laughs> burned up, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no. I should have didn't make a, it back home. Should have given a trigger warning for that. Um, but yeah, they, um, yeah, that that dog was part of their second satellite, and, and you know what's bad about that is they came out and said, well, she survived like two orbits, but then they later, <laughs> like years later, were like, ah, eh, she probably was alive for twenty minutes because the heat they didn't have, yeah, you know, that was horrible, horrible. What we did yeah. to dogs and, you know, the U.S. used uh, monkeys. Yeah. Re- I mean, no
1: one had the tech for that. I, I read somewhere that the Apollo computers ran on like 256 uh, a
0: ram Which was a lot for back then. It my, was huge. My first computer had 256 and that was like 1996.
1: Ooh. Probably, did right? A compact? Were you Presario? Woo.
0: Yeah, compact Presario. That's exactly what so, it was. Well, that wasn't my first computer. That was my first person, like the one that I brought to college with me. Mm-hmm. And then I think... What was after two fifty six four eighty something four eighty six? Yeah. So that's what I had after that, and uh, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Like it's crazy. You know, it's
1: you, crazy to be at the begin like to to, to ride history like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you think back. You know, it it was amazing at the time, and now like if we had that now, we'd be so frustrated with everything. Yeah. Oh God. So.
1: And they were like, it only took us twenty minutes to get the signal. Can yeah. You believe that,
0: guys, sure. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, the, I mean, I was I had a computer before the internet existed with my old Tandy 1000SX, which was, you know, Tandy's version of the, I believe of the, not the Apple E, Commodore 64, maybe? I don't Commodore know. Commodore 64, it yeah. It was, yeah, was Radio like, Shack had a, their own Tandy brand computer, you know, and yeah, that was the yeah, one yeah. where you put in one floppy to boot the the operating system and then the game floppy after that.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: You had to yeah, do my both.
1: uncle had one. That's right.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I had um and, and the games were we had a few. We had Bruce Jenner's Decathlon, which which aged well, um, <laughs> which I remember really liking. I we played that game a lot. Mostly games. Um, Treasure Island was like a um, I don't remember what you call it. It was like a it's like an RPG where it gives you like ten options at the bottom of the screen. Would you like to do this, do this, do this? You yeah. know.
1: Like that I remember
0: and just watching. I
1: didn't play these myself. Yeah, or, so, yeah.
0: Oh man. Wow. So anywho, uh yeah, these satellites actually didn't have any of that. You know, when when you talk about what they did, the first one just beeped. That's all it did. That's all Sputnik One did was it sent a radio beep. It had no technology in it other than to do that. And mm-hmm. and to have antennas yeah. which carried that that signal. So
1: yeah, what was our what was it? Was Telstar the first one of ours, I think?
0: Mean? Uh our first one was Explorer One. Explorer One and that's then right. Vanguard One. There um, it was yeah. Yeah. And uh and then, you know, that's all my my research for this episode took me through. No, that's okay. So, yeah. This
1: is good. That, yeah, it's good base trivia knowledge. Like people think <laughs> trivia like you know everything. You just know a little bit about a lot.
0: Yeah, these it. these questions this week I'm realizing were were pretty hard. Um so you're one for four and mm-hmm. uh you've got one left but you oh, do, do have oh. to you do have to do the dishes so you're welcome noel uh <laughs> you know that's if, if you guys have yeah. dishes to do right now they're they are to be done yeah now speaking of, of uh dishes and kitchen and that type of thing are you you're you hurt yourself recently
1: yeah what? yeah i'm just getting back um i was um at the the last day of May. Yeah. May 31st. (laughs) I was, uh, I was, it was late. I was, I was actually, I was washing dishes. Oh no. Oh no. I'm going to feel so bad if this happens again. And a glass started to roll off the counter and I went to catch it. And so it wouldn't break and I caught it. And when I picked it back up, I went ahead, I I grabbed it. And when, when I went to pick it back up, Instead of setting it on the counter, I slammed it into the corner of the counter. Oh, so no. the corner of the counter went through the glass like an arrow and it shattered in my hand.
0: Oh jeez. And
1: so yeah, I lacerated um all the way down to the bone in just my one <gasps> ring finger right here. so
0: jeez oh, right
1: now it's healing. there's a little scar there. I just got I had to do surgery on the 16th of yeah uh, May. May. so i'm about about six seven weeks out so i did that and they had to like reconnect is,
0: tendons and stuff then right
1: yeah they had to reconnect tendons and nerves they did like micro sutures in there so right now we're working on getting this bad boy
0: straightened uh, back up
1: and straighten back up oh, but yeah hopefully gosh. i'll be able to make a fist by labor day
0: oh so, my god well <laughs> i'm sorry man that that sounds painful i'm glad that you're healing up and yeah. uh geez yeah it
1: yeah. It, it really, I mean, I, I learned a lot, you know, and it's my right hand and I'm a professional writer, you know, like it's what, it's what I do. Yeah. And so it took a long time to, to master the talk to text a few weeks and a lot of frustration, you know, when you, sure. especially when you think you're healed and you're not.
0: Yeah. And,
1: oh man. So, but yeah, I trust me. When people tell you that you're hurt, just believe them and just let it be like take rest people. Did you
0: did you fight it? You were trying to do too much?
1: All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I, I and my my OT, my occupational therapist right now, she just remembers, she has to remind me to, when you give a little, you're actually given a when you do a little, you're actually given a lot. When you try to crush something, you try to overextend yourself, you're just gonna do the damage. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it's gotta be careful.
0: Yeah, well, I'm gonna reload, relay those words to my father who had some serious uh, neck surgery this week. So I don't ah. know if he listens to this podcast, but if you're listening, Dad, chill out, sit down, read some books, don't do anything for a couple of weeks. Don't he, do it, Dad. He had a couple of vertebrae replaced. You can do that, by the way. I learned. You can just replace. Uh, yeah, if your vertebrae go bad, you, they just put a new one in. Two of them.
1: Put a new vertebrae in. They
0: just take take it out. It's similar to like memory on a computer. They just like. Take one out. Yeah. Put the other one Ma- back in. I
1: believe they call it, it's a back-yotomy. Back-yotomy. Believe that that's, it It is Wow. That's yeah. a technical term. It's, just...
0: it's very much like a USB drive, kind of. Very much <laughs> like that. Um, so. Oh, man. Uh, well, we, we're down to the last question. And this one, Brandon, is for all the marbles. So if you get this one wrong, I'm banning you from the show. You won't be asked for a third time. If Great. Here's your question. If you were forced to wake up in the morning every day for the rest of your life to one song, What would that one song be? Okay. Um, It's tough for you.
1: It's really tough. Okay. I guess I would have to say Human Nature by Michael Jackson.
0: Human Nature.
1: Because I have to wake up, right?
0: Yeah. And if they say why, then (laughs) tell them. Tell them that it's human nature.
1: I would tell them. Why you do it that way. Well. And that's what I'd ask him subsequently. Yeah. Like, why you do me that way? Uh, if that's what he says.
0: Now I would. Yeah, and you look out through the window, mm-hmm. and you know why electric eyes are just everywhere.
1: It it's too early. Right there, if, if
0: electric eyes are ever, it's too early, you need to wait until the sun comes out.
1: can you don't want to see electric eyes, man. You got <laughs> to go back. You got to go back inside.
0: One of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, and one of the only ones that I can actually sing. Um, mm. it's, it's in my range. Oh, well, you know, it's got the falsetto parts and stuff, but, sure. but the, the rest of it is in the, the non falsetto parts are in my range. One of the only ones, if I were ever to do Michael Jackson karaoke, that is the song I choose. What is it? That's the one. If I, I, you, is, I Human is the one. if someone said you've got to do karaoke, I'm not choosing Michael Jackson, but if they said you've got to do Michael Jackson karaoke, that's the only one I think I could do.
1: Hmm. That's a good one. You're right. I would do any. Are you okay? Honestly, um, or yeah. smooth criminal, criminal rather. Yeah, smooth criminal. Because it's just if if no one's looking at the screen, if you don't put the words up, it's really just all staccato. So sure. you just sound badass. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like what true. is shaka
0: <laughs> Your answer in human nature is a correct answer. So I will be yes. happy to have you on the podcast anytime.
1: I can't wait. And
0: uh, it was so good to catch up with you, Brandon. You too, Michael. It was so
1: great. And I'm going, you don't act like we didn't talk about coming to up to the upfront performance space for, for a a live edition. So it was,
0: um, I I remember when we talked about it and I'm going to give, you know, ticket opportunity to the people on Patreon before I do anything else when we do that. So now's the time to join up. So, all right. Yeah. Take care, Mike. Absolutely. It was so great to see you. You too. Take care. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to Ralph for the show topic and to Brandon Anderson for being my guest. Here's the kid from the Pink Floyd video. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True. The Internet says it's true. I'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Bobby Richards and Asher Falero. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary, and are used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at Patreon.com slash Michael Kent.